Hello, and welcome to the Dutch Podcast Summer School Edition. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, Chief Medical Officer at Dutch, and I'm thrilled you're here to learn more about hormone health and functional medicine. The Dutch Podcast is taking a break from its usual format to bring you some enriching conversations with our Dutch clinical educators. We'll be diving into case studies of actual Dutch reports and exploring how evaluating hormones and hormone metabolism can help you get to the root cause of your complex patient problems. To learn more about Dutch testing and the extensive hormone education resources that are available for free to Dutch providers, visit our website at dutchtest.com backslash providers. In today's episode, we're back with more cortisol curve talk. And this week, we're discussing flat curves. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Kelly Roof, one of the experts on the Dutch clinical team, all about flat cortisol curves. A flat curve? So some people actually have a flat cortisol curve, and it just doesn't rise, and it doesn't fall throughout the day like it should. It's just low throughout the entire day. You want to listen to this conversation because you're going to learn so much, including two really distinct patterns that can lead to a flat curve. But a lot of times it's kind of, they're tired, they're depressed, hard to get going in the day. And how you can tell them apart on the Dutch test. We also are going to talk about some of the clinical implications of the flat curve. And then most importantly, we're going to talk about lifestyle and botanical support for patients with a flat cortisol curve. What can you do to help them fix that and get them to a really healthy state? You're definitely going to want to listen to this one. Our guest this week is Dr. Kelly Roof. Dr. Roof is a licensed naturopathic doctor who completed her medical education at National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. Then she completed a private residency at Pearl Natural Health in downtown Portland, where she really specialized in inflammatory bowel diseases and women's health. Currently, she's a clinical educator for Precision Analytical, makers of our Dutch test, where she spends most of her time educating on how urine testing can improve the field of women's and men's health. With her background in biochemistry and cell biology, Dr. Roof loves learning about hormones and the biochemical pathways in the human body. She really makes it a point to share what she's learned through videos, blogs, social media posts, and just like ours today, podcasts, with the hope that her education will help us all find happiness and health. So Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk about that flat cortisol curve. So when you're looking at the Dutch test, you can see this on the summary page, also on the page that goes in a bit more depth on the HPA axis, but really looking at that diurnal rhythm, because we should see cortisol kind of changing throughout the day, but that doesn't always happen for some patients. So can you talk a little bit about what you'd expect to see in a perfect diurnal pattern for cortisol? And what are we talking about when we talk about a flat curve? Yeah. Okay. Really, really good question. So, you know, everyone has a diet or not everyone, but normally people have a diurnal pattern to their cortisol and it kind of follows the circadian rhythm. So the circadian rhythm, it's the mental, the physical and the behavioral changes that happen during a 24 hour time period. And so for example, a normal diurnal cortisol curve, usually cortisol comes up in the morning And then about 14 hours later, it's at its lowest point. So if it's at its highest point at 8 a.m., it should be around its lowest point or close to its lowest point around 10 p.m. But a flat curve, so some people actually have a flat cortisol curve, and it just doesn't rise and it doesn't fall 
throughout the day like it should. It's just low throughout the entire day. You know, they don't get that bump up in cortisol in the morning. It's just flat. That's really interesting. So what are some of the symptoms that get associated with that flat diurnal curve? Like when would a provider be kind of concerned that that might be going on and they might want to test? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, signs and symptoms that we often see are they're tired, of course. They don't have any cortisol. Um, Low libido. They've got low mood, sometimes poor focus. Um, Sometimes you'll even see low blood pressure. But a lot of times it's kind of they're tired, they're depressed. It's hard to get going in the day. That makes sense. So are there any other like diseases or conditions or something that might also predispose someone to having a flat curve? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we tend to see it in people, of course, long-term stress. You know, mm-hmm. short-term stress, we tend to see high cortisol. Mm-hmm. But over time, these chronic stressors on the body tend to lead to low cortisol. And sometimes it leads to this flat curve. But you also see it with traumatic brain injuries, concussions, obstructive sleep apnea, PTSD, which is really interesting. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think what else. I think those are the ones that I can think of right now, but like hippocampal damage, atrophy. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And so how does the flat curve relate to the car, that cortisol awakening response? Because you might or might not, they might or might not be both affected, right? Yes, true, true. So someone's diurnal cortisol rhythm is independent of their cortisol awakening response, which we call the car. And the car is that burst of cortisol that we get right when we wake up. So it's usually the burst of cortisol within the first 30 to 45 minutes after we open our eyes. And the cortisol waking response can tell us a lot about just the communication between the brain and the adrenals, our resiliency, our perception of stress, you know, how we react to stress. So sometimes people can have a normal car, but they might still have an overall pretty flat um, cortisol curve throughout the day. But what I usually see is a low car when there's a flat curve, usually, not always, but usually they're not really even having that cortisol burst in the morning. So mm-hmm. that cortisol burst also helps us wake up, helps us with motivation, our energy, helps with blood sugar regulation, regulating inflammation. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you see people having troubles with, with all those. Now, one of the things that I think is really interesting with Dutch testing compared to other like HPA access assessment on the market is that we also look at metabolites for cortisol, right? And so one of the things, because I've seen this before in my own patients, where when you look at the diurnal curve, it's flat and you're like, oh gosh, they're not making cortisol. Mm-hmm. But then, but, and, and actually that was kind of like the end of the story for me for a long time when I was looking at those assessments. But since I've started using Dutch testing and I've learned more about cortisol metabolites, there are circumstances where it can look like a flat line, but then the metabolites are really high, which doesn't really seem to make sense because you're seeing no cortisol, but you're seeing tons of metabolites. So there must be cortisol somewhere. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about those circumstances? Because I feel like, you know, for providers who might be using a different test, or if you're looking at your patient's report, even with your Dutch test, and you're only looking at the diurnal curve, you might be missing a piece of the story like I was for so long. Yeah, definitely. That's why I love that the Dutch test does have the metabolized cortisol marker. So the way I think of it is when the body's done using cortisol and cortisone, it metabolizes it into these metabolites we call THF and THE. We're actually able to measure these in the urine. 
So if we find a lot of these cortisol metabolites in the urine, it tends to mean that they had a lot of cortisol, like they made a lot of cortisol that day and vice versa. If we find like a very small amount of these metabolites in the urine, they probably didn't make much cortisol that day. But you're right. Sometimes you'll see a low uh, diurnal pattern, just like a flat line cortisol curve. But then the metabolites are high and sometimes even above range. So if you didn't see the metabolite data, you would you'd miss all that data. You wouldn't realize that they're actually making a lot of cortisol. And what's happening is, you know, when you're looking at the graphs of free cortisol and free cortisone, we're looking more at the cortisol in circulation, you know, kind of gives us an idea of the cortisol in the blood. And when we're looking at the metabolites, it gives us more of an idea of like overall cortisol production for the day. And if the metabolites are high, but the free cortisol and cortisone are low, that just means that in circulation, you know, in the blood, free cortisol is low. And a lot of times you'll see it being metabolized and cleared out of circulation really quickly. And it could be hyperthyroidism. And the way I remember it is, you know, could you imagine having high thyroid hormones and high cortisol in circulation? Like you have anxiety, palpitations, yeah. terrible for your, your bone health. So when you've got high amounts of thyroid hormone, you tend to clear out cortisol from circulation pretty quickly. But you can also see that pattern in obesity and blood sugar dysregulation, insulin resistance and inflammation. That's interesting. So in the cases where you have that kind of flatline cortisol, but you have tons of metabolites, mm-hmm. what might the symptom picture be like in your patients? Like what might you expect to see that would be different from someone making no cortisol? Yeah. So, um, you know, if they had hyperthyroidism, then just all the symptoms of hyperthyroidism that go along with that could be agitation, sleep issues, hair loss, et cetera. Um, but if it's more like they're overweight or they've got inflammation, you know, if the cortisol is clearing from circulation and going where in the, the inflammation is, usually where the visceral fat tissue is, then you, you might see that they've got, you know, the insulin resistance, the higher inflammation, the obesity, but at the same time, like a lot of, so the fat tissue has a lot of cortisol, but a lot of the other tissues are deficient in cortisol. And, you know, the brain, the brain is getting cortisol from circulation. So a lot of times in these cases, the cortisol in the brain is low. So you might still see that fatigue. Mm-hmm. You might still see low libido, you know, depression. Yeah. Cause you're still seeing that cortisol that they're making is just getting, you know, cleared so quickly that you'd both still have yeah. the low cortisol symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about the connection between that diurnal cortisol curve and just generally like our um, diurnal rhythms um, and the circadian rhythms, because you'd mentioned the importance before, like how there's a connection there. So can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about that connection? And, you know, is it important for us to to think about like therapeutically daily patterns for our patients? Or are there things we can do just with lifestyle that might support that diurnal cortisol rhythm? Yes, definitely. I was actually just um, reading a book, you know, Dr. Felice Kirsch, her PCOS yes. book. And um, she, she talks about that. I think this is pertinent because, I mean, she talks about animals in early zoos, how we took animals out of the wild. We put them in these little cages 
And we found that they stopped having babies. They were infertile. They didn't sleep well. They were depressed. So we started giving them sleeping pills and antidepressants, which I had never known. We did that to the zoo. That sounds similar to what's happening with humans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that's what she says. She says, you know, humans were inside, like 90% of us are inside all day in our offices and our homes. We're not getting that natural sunlight. You know, at night, we're looking at computer screens where um, we've got all the lights on in the house till 11 p.m. midnight. And so we're really able to kind of escape the earth, the, the solar systems, just natural 24 hour cycles, you know, 365 days a year. Uh, what she said was interesting was, you know, people got a little smart and they said, hey, what if we, instead of putting the, the animals in individual little cages, what if we created big habitats that kind of mimicked their natural world? And they, you know, once they started doing that, which we see more in the, the zoos these days, uh, animals started having babies again and things improved. So you know, there, there is a natural 24 hour cycle to our world. There's light, there's, there's uh, nighttime. And if we can really honor that, and if we can really kind of immerse ourselves more in the earth's 24 hour cycles, then a lot of times our mood improves, our sleep improves, our hunger cues improve, our sex life improves, like a lot can improve with that. So that seems like a really important place to start before you even think about other like HPA access support therapeutics is just start with those basics. Yeah. Yeah. Get when you wake up in the morning, get some full spectrum light, whether that's going outside for a half hour or using one of the lamps with the 10,000 lux for 20 to 30 minutes before 9am. And even at night, you know, trying to use dim lights, um, using lights lower in your visual field. They found that if you're exposed to lights, that are higher in the visual, in the visual field, it's a little more stimulating. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. And of course, dimmer lights, reddish or reddish lights or using those blue light blocking glasses can be helpful, but we're really trying to improve our melatonin secretion, you know, get our brain, our bodies ready for sleep. Yeah. I always ask my patients, like, have you ever gone camping? You know, and if the answer is yes, then you've probably experienced even if you're kind of more of a night owl at home, when you go camping, like as you sit by the campfire and the sun is setting, you know, by the time it's dark, if it's in the summer, you might be looking at like nine o'clock in the wintertime, you know, six o'clock, you're ready to yeah. go to bed. And it feels physically so different. The level of relaxation, the level of readiness for sleep compared to when you're at home in your daily routine. And so it's all those behaviors that just make such a big difference for that. Yeah. Um, what about sure. eating? Now, what about eating when it comes to circadian rhythm? Is there like recommendations that you make for people around like when to break their overnight fast and when they should stop eating? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In general, like pretty good, good rule of thumb is just keeping eating to a 12 hour window and eating only during daylight hours mm-hmm. and trying to stop eating by 7 PM. Usually if we can shift our meals, more towards earlier in the day, it's, it's better. You know, our insulin sensitivity is best in the morning, but yeah, I mean, we don't have to do extreme intermittent fasting. We could just limit it to that 12 hour window and make sure we're done by 7 PM. Mm-hmm. Great. And now, so that's a lot of the lifestyle factors. What about botanicals and like all of our HPA access support? What are some of your favorites? 
Because I know we really have ones that can kind of calm cortisol production and ones that are a little bit more stimulatory. And this is, you know, this is general. We can't make recommendations for, you know, anyone listening specifically. But what are some of your favorite herbs that you look to for someone who has that low cortisol curve where you're looking to help improve production? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, my two favorite ones are ashwagandha and rhodiola. Mm. And ashwagandha kind of mixed bag, like it can affect thyroid function for better or for worse. It is a nightshade. So I kind of think that if someone has an issue with nightshades, maybe it's going to affect their thyroid more negatively. But ashwagandha is great just for high stress and for high or low cortisol, in my opinion. And rhodiola, like there's some research that rhodiola can improve mild to moderate depression, anxiety, stress, fatigue. Like all the things that you tend to see with low cortisol. So mm. I love using rhodiola in patients that especially have symptoms of low dopamine, which really coincide with low cortisol. Mm-hmm. Like those low, low dopamine, like low mood type of symptoms. Yeah, they're tired. It's hard to get out of bed. Can't focus. They've got low libido. Yeah. Yeah. I like that that you've given those two examples because I think about rhodiola as for like for people who I call them stressed and tired. Or ashwagandha, yeah. I think about it for people who are more stressed and wired. If you know the difference, mm-hmm. like, you know, when we're under a lot of stress, like our bodies kind of respond in one of two ways, right? Either you move towards like, go, 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 your engine's revved, you're kind of more like anxious and on edge, jittery, jumpy versus other yeah. people under a lot of stress, like want to just cl- crawl under their covers and then like not leave their bed for a little while. So um, <laughs> that's one way I kind of keep that picture in my head when it comes to botanicals and you covered ones that kind of hit both patterns, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else that you think is really pertinent for people with that flat cortisol curve? No, I would just say like, it's, it's really important to work on our cortisol curve. Um, Not only for our mood and our energy, but for a lot of other things too, like regulating our blood sugars. You know, cortisol really does help regulate our blood sugars throughout the day, um, even regulating inflammation levels throughout the day. So having a nice diurnal pattern is not only going to help some of the symptoms we're having, but also, you know, risk for diabetes and cardiovascular risk. And even there was one study, I forget what year it was, but they showed that women with metastatic breast cancer had earlier mortality if they had a flat or abnormal diurnal curve. So, mm. you know, having a having healthy adrenals could even help you through serious diseases you encounter during your life. Yeah, that was a 2000 study. Um, and I will actually include make sure that we include that link in the show notes for people if they want to take a look at that. Because it's really interesting when you think about the impact of cortisol on things like weight or disease states and, you know, looking at breast cancer survival rates based upon cortisol is like fascinating. We're probably not looking at that enough. And when you think about the solutions that you recommend around that circadian rhythm and these really basic choices around our day, you know, waking up, getting sunlight, eating in the daylight, you know, turning the lights off at night. Like if something that simple could really have a profound effect on disease outcomes, it would seem like a pretty easy ask for me at least to make those changes. Yeah, I agree. And just even like, you know, if you have children modeling it for your children and 
you know, dimming all the lights an hour or two before the children have to go to bed, like, and can really help them wind down, wind down too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Dr. Roof, I'm really grateful for you spending time with me today. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Thanks for having me. We are so grateful you could join us for this interesting and informative dialogue. If you want to learn more about hormones and hormone testing with Dutch, there are many resources available to you when you become a Dutch provider. Register today at dutchtest.com backslash providers to gain access to free educational tools like the Mastering Functional Hormone Testing Course, a self-paced online course designed to help you become a hormone expert. Dutch providers also have exclusive access to the Dutch Interpretive Guide, which is full of insights that will help you apply Dutch testing in your practice. And our Dutch clinical educators host one-on-one and group consultation sessions where providers can learn how to interpret patient reports. Become a provider today to learn more about how to access these resources through the Dutch Provider Portal. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again.